Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Okay, so um, so we are, uh, this is the second to the last week. You're going to cry. This is the second to the last week in our series in the book of Acts. And after that, we are exiting Acts. And you're just going to have to read it on your own if you want to. Um, but I wanted to let you guys know at the top that today's teaching is a two-parter. There's a part A and a part B. And we're going to do both of those parts today. But we're going to take a little break in the middle. Okay, And so part A is about knowing what is essential in this season. Knowing what is essential for you and for me in this season. And when I first uh, began in ministry, um, I was the associate pastor of the Vineyard Church in Elgin, where Molly is actually preaching right now, and I loved that job. And the reason I loved that job is because um, I just had a couple of different ministries that I was responsible for, and it was just all the things that I was sort of naturally good at. And I didn't have to worry about anything else. And so I worked with the youth group. I worked to build community. I did some pastoral care. I did a little bit of preaching. And it was easy peasy rice and cheesy. It was like no big deal, right? And, and so I didn't stress out much at all uh, in, that, in that job. But what I didn't realize is that in order to, to run a church, in order to have a fully functioning church, there are a million things, large and small, that go into a church, that go into keeping a church running, you know, from having a volunteer corps to caring for, for people's hearts to having and developing like a staff, generally just like keeping the lights on, right? There's just so many things that went into it. I never thought about who was going to teach the two, three, five-year-olds. It never even occurred to me. I didn't know why uh, worship sounded so good on Sundays. I just knew that it did sound great. I, every Sunday I would go downstairs and I would eat a bagel because they were just, they magically appeared there. They, right? I, that's how it worked for me. I thought that every Saturday night, like the elves came and, and dropped, you know, gifts at Elgin Vineyard Church. And I was the, the recipient of all that stuff through some sort of Christmas miracle each and every Sunday. Well, fast forward, uh, Molly and I planted Thrive, this little baby, baby church called Thrive, and uh, we planted it here in Elgin, and I have a very, very vivid memory, nearly a wound in my heart that I probably need some healing from, because uh, on one of those very, very early Sundays, I was preaching my brains out on a Sunday morning, and as I was coming down uh, off of the stage, um, I'm just getting down, and I'd given it my all, and one of my... Uh, you know, awesome blue collar parishioners grabbed me and he said, Hey, great preach, Pastor. By the way, your toilet's clogged. And then he just walked away. And I did not have a toilet's clogged minister. And so I just dutifully went back to the toilet and started plunging because there was nobody else to do that. And in that moment, I resolved. I don't care if I don't have board members. I don't care if I don't have youth leaders or small group leaders or hospitality people. I don't care about any of that. I will have a minister of toilets. That is the first position that will get filled at Thrive Vineyard Church. I resolved myself that I was not going to do that again, right? And it just, it sort of like made me realize how many 
different people and different talents and different abilities and different hearts are required to make church what it is, to make this place thrive, to make this place a reflection of the heart of God. And, and what we realized really early on is that no matter how gifted or talented Molly and I might have been, even when we were meeting in our living room with a dozen people, we could never be for this church everything that was needed to minister to the people or to glorify God. There were so many more gifts, so many more people that God would put here that we would need for Thrive to be a place um, that thrives, right? And so uh, this morning, we're actually at this really, really interesting point in, uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 6, and, um, and what we're talking about is this sort of moment of crisis, sort of like the crisis that I had uh, that week when that guy told me that I had to, like, why didn't he plunge the toilet? Right? Like, can I just say that? Like, okay, anyway. Obviously, still have some processing to do. Um, so Acts chapter 6. Let me, let's just dive right into this before this goes right down the toilet. Um, it says this. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic, meaning the Greek-speaking Jews, among them complained that the Hebraic Jews... Uh, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And so the 12, the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, gathered all the disciples together and they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose uh, seven men from among you who, um, who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom and we will turn this responsibility over to them. And we will give our attention to prayer into the ministry of the word. And this proposal pleased the whole group. And so they chose Stephen, a man who is full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, who's a convert to Judaism. And they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And so the word of God spread. And the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests even became obedient to the faith. And so here's what's happening. Here's the context, you guys. What's happening is, is that this tiny little baby movement, at this point it was just called The Way, it had a few hundred followers at first, but it has grown now to maybe two or 3,000 followers. And at this point, it begins to have the problems of an institution, and it begins to have church problems. And this is where we find the church in sort of a, a crisis of some sort, right? And it may not have seemed uh, like a big deal at first. I've read this verse a million times and not thought it was too big of a deal. What the point, the thing that was happening was that the, uh, the Greek speaking widows, the followers of Jesus, weren't getting food during the, the, the food distribution, right? They had a distribution problem with their joy drops. Like, how many of you guys know about our joy drops, right? Every week we feed the poor in our community and we call it joy drop, right? And so we have our own distribution problem, right? Right now, uh, what we've found out is that the government is no longer supplying food that we were getting to, to give to the people in our community. And so that's an issue for us to overcome. And it's like, okay, we know that we're going to figure this out. We're going to rally and it'll be okay. But this issue that the early church was dealing with, this was a much, much bigger deal. This was a much stickier deal because it wasn't just an issue of distribution. This was actually 
a racism issue. There was systemic racism happening in the church and it was public. Everybody knew it. And I was actually, I always tried to like immerse myself in the scripture and I can't imagine, can just imagine what it would be like if there was like racism baked into this church and people were complaining about it and fighting over it and this was a public thing. That's what was happening to this baby little movement, right? And this is not a good look for this church that Molly and I have been trying to get you guys to emulate for the last two months, right? Like, be like those guys. Not in this way, okay? Not, not in this way at all. So the other thing I was thinking of, actually just as an aside, do you just love the way that I do how real the Bible is, how it just does not sugarcoat anything. If you read just a few chapters later, uh, it, Luke, the writer, describes how uh, Paul was preaching a sermon, and his sermon went so long that some young dude fell asleep in the middle of his sermon, fell out of a third-story window, and died. He just died. Like, that's when you know you have a bad sermon. He died of boredom, right? <laughs> right? That's a bad sermon. And it's in, the, it's in the Bible, so I love it. But here we are, and we're in this moment of crisis. This, this new enterprise called The Way, which would become Christianity, it was at risk of the whole thing blowing up. And so this issue, obviously, it made its way to the 12 disciples, and they're like, we have to deal with this, right? And this became a crossroads in their leadership. And the question was, and this is important, this is the key thing I want you to hear. The question was, how would they deal with this sort, this super important issue that, that threatened the viability of the whole thing that we call Christianity? It was an existential crisis for them, but it also became a leadership crisis at the same time for them. Because on one hand, they have this super important issue that they had to deal with, which was racism in the church. But secondly, they had a leadership challenge, and that was how would they, as the leaders of the way, how would they deal with this tricky situation that 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 threatened the whole movement? In other words, should Peter and James and John sort of drop what they're doing so that they can make sure that the food gets handed out equally to everybody? Well, the question really is, what was essential for them? What was essential for these leaders? What was, what was God calling them to do? And that's the question that I want to ask us this morning. What I want to ask you guys this morning is, is what is God speaking to you about what is essential for you in this season, in this time, in this place. Because that's what they needed to discover. They needed to know what it was that God was calling them to do before they made any decision. They didn't discover what was important for them. And here's the thing is that what is true in the church is actually true of us as well. They needed to know, okay, God, what are you calling this leadership team to do to keep the church moving forward, to keep us growing in accordance with your will? And in the same way, you and I need to continually come back to God and we need to ask God the question very, very regularly, what is essential for me in this season? What are you doing in my life right now? What am, what am I being called to? And what am I being called out of, right? And so here's what happened. In chapter 2, or, or verse 2, I should say, it says this. So the 12, they gathered all the disciples, all the followers of Jesus. By the way, all the people that followed Jesus, they were disciples of Jesus, right? They weren't just believers. They weren't just, you know, like her, they like him on Facebook. They were disciples of Jesus. That's what we are. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together. And they said it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. 
Brothers and sisters, this is big, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And so after conferring for a time, the, the, the apostles, they made a discovery about themselves. They said, in this super important situation, it is important that we make a good choice and we realize that we cannot do it all. But what happens when you and I very often um, get confronted with something that is important that needs to be done? I know what, we, what I normally do, and I bet I know what you normally do. And that is, you just add it on. We just add it on. Everything that comes across our plate, uh, we just keep adding and we keep adding and we keep adding. And the apostles were smart enough to know that they can't just add this thing to their plate, that they had to make a choice, right? And they said, we need to devote ourselves to prayer in the teaching the word, but this food distribution thing absolutely is crucial and it needs to happen. And so they wisely decided to say no to dealing with the food thing so they could focus on prayer and the ministry of the word. But secondly, they chose some absolutely amazing people to head up this ministry. And this sort of innocuous event at some level, when we read it in the scripture today, it has become this super important kind of historic move. And it becomes a blueprint for healthy churches and it becomes a blueprint for healthy people. Because healthy churches have to make decisions about what we're called to and what we're not called to. Healthy leaders have to make decisions about what we're called to and what we're made for and what isn't for us in this situation, in this season. And the same is true for each of you guys. All of us need to do this. And I want to say to us that we will not live fruitfully if we do not make choices about what God is doing and what he's not doing in our lives, what we are being called to in this season and what we're not being called to in this particular season, right? We need to go to God and find out what is important to me right now. What is important for you to be doing in my life right now? And one of the things that I love about uh, being in the Midwest is that we have four seasons, right? We have four seasons. I was talking to Kelly this week. Kelly is from Cameroon. They only have two seasons, those poor people, right? What are your two seasons? It's spring and summer. They only have spring and summer. I'm sure like 88% of you guys would be like, put me down for some of that, right? <laughs> right? But I like that we have four seasons. And the reason I like that is because it almost invites us to see our lives seasonally. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing to, to be able to take, to step back in each season and go, what are you doing? What is important to you for my life right now in this season, God? What are you up to here? What am I supposed to pick up? And what am I supposed to lay down in this season? And I'll give you an example. For Molly and I, we are in the middle of a really, really important season because uh, that's Aiden in the uh, orange hat. Our brood, our three kids, are going to be leaving home in September. And that will, will be empty nesters for the first time. And so Aiden and Anna are going to be doing missions work. Uh, and Cole's going to be a junior at Marquette. And Molly and I are going to be at home alone in a corner crying and sucking our thumbs, right? That's what we'll be doing. So, uh, so one of the things that God has really, really spoken clearly to me is that in the season, I am called to my kids. I am called to zoom in and to spend extra time with them, to spend extra connection with them. And so I had lunch with Aiden yesterday. I played Minecraft this week. 
like, it actually made me physically sick. <laughs> it did. I can't do like that virtual reality. I don't know what it was, but it was not a good experience. But I played Minecraft this week, right? And the reason I did is because I know that this is a season for that. This is a season that God is calling me to focus on my kids, right? And so I want to just encourage you. I want to ask you, what is God calling you to in this season for right now? What is God doing? Because I want you to know what he's doing. What is essential for you? And if you guys have not pondered that question uh, anytime in the last three months, then I am guessing that you have been giving yourself to some things that are not essential, that you've been giving your time and you've been giving your energy to some things that actually God is not in. And it will not produce fruit in your life. And quite possibly, if you have not checked in with him and heard from him about what he is calling you to in this season, you may actually be taking yourself further from the will of God. You may be taking yourself further from the things that he really wants to do. And so I want to encourage you um, to get I don't know how you do it, but I want to encourage you uh, at some point over the next week to get out a notebook and to start to write and just to start to think and just to ask God, God, what is it that you're doing in my life in this season? What I do, um, I don't sit in a comfy chair like Molly does with a notebook. I take my phone and I go for a walk and I turn on the voice app and I just speak into my phone and I, I just record what it is that I hear God speaking to me and, and then I keep that and I've got it on a, on a document. But one way or another, I want to encourage you and challenge you. The disciples had to seek the Lord and they had to know what it was that God was doing and what was important and what they needed to give to someone else, right? And so I want to ask you to do that. And so what we're actually going to do is we're going to take a, like a 90 second break and I'm going to actually ask you to just kind of like close your eyes, maybe get out your phone. You can use a pad of paper that's in, in the pew in front of you. But I just want you to spend 60 to 90 seconds and I just want you to ask God, what is essential for me in this season? I'm not asking you to figure it out for the next year. I'm asking you to figure it out for the next month or two months. So just let's get real quiet. And I just want you to ponder the question, what is essential for me? What are you calling me to right now? So we'll just do that for a second. So um, did anybody hear God kind of highlight something or see God highlight something for you? Is there anybody that would go... Yeah, that's what I'm called to. Maybe it's like he's calling you to a place of rest in the season, or maybe he's calling you to work on your health, or maybe he's calling you to do X, Y, or Z. This can't be done uh, fully in 60 seconds here in, in this room, but it's, it, is, it is important that we do this on a seasonal basis. And so my assignment to you in this part A is to take a little bit of time this week and to get your journal out or get your phone out and just to be, just seek God and ask him, what is, what are you calling me to right now. And this needs to be a, a spiritual practice of ours. Amen? All right, so let's press on. Back to the disciples. So they had, um, they needed to define roles, and they had to define callings, and they had to, de to define abilities so that the early church could thrive, right? So they were ta I'm talking now about, like, gifts. Like, we're going to put these guys in this place because they're more highly gifted at it. And I want to say that, like, in vineyard circles, like, we're not the only vineyard church, in case you didn't know that, in a lot of charismatic church circles, um, we can be, as movements, we can be sort of inclined 
to more highly esteem certain spiritual gifts higher than other spiritual gifts. And if you don't know what spiritual gifts are, they're simply God-given supernatural abilities uh, that he gives us to build up the church and to reach our community, right? So I just call them spiritual superpowers. And the Bible says that we each get one or two of those things. And like I was saying, like in a vineyard church context, uh, sometimes we can tend to sort of emulate and the more highly esteem a few uh, of those, uh, a few gifts, things like prophecy or healing or miracles or stuff like that. And those seem to get more of like the, the you know, get the, the juices flowing. But what I see here in this scripture is that every spiritual gift is actually on an equal footing. Every single one matters. Listen to the qualifications that the disciples put forward for the people that would have to lead this ministry of of giving out food. It says this, they said, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to to prayer in the ministry of the word. In other words, these guys didn't say, well, any old person can just take care of the food distribution, right? Not even close. They needed somebody that was highly wise, highly filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think it's really interesting that the very first, you guys are actually witnessing history here because this was the birth of an office, the very first deacons, the very first church leaders, we would call them heads of ministry here at Thrive, but this was the first time that we ever see a deacon in the church. These were the guys right here, right? So this was a highly important ministry that they were, uh, that they were being invited into, okay? Uh, and they were people that were full of wisdom and full of the spirit, and they were gifted in practical ways, right? And the question is, why put such high-powered people over a ministry like food distribution. And the reason why I think they put such amazing people over such a insignificant ministry is because everything that happens in the church speaks. Everything that happens in the church speaks. Everything that happens uh, in church has God's name on it. Everything that we do has his fingerprints on it. And everything that we do is, is essentially bringing the kingdom of God. It is ministering. It's, this is in here is what it should be like in his kingdom. Every detail of what we do speaks to the glory of God. It speaks to the character of God. It speaks to the majesty of God. And that's why, uh, you know, those that are gifted in the, in the gift of hospitality or those that do tech or those that do sound or joy drop or lead small groups, all of that stuff is humongously important to us because every one of them manifests the heart of God. God in some way. Every one of them presents the character of God in some important way. And so the question I want to ask you in this part B is, is what is your ministry? What is your gift? What is the thing that God has put into you? What is the calling that is on your life? Because we need that. The church needs that. The community needs that. Our community needs that. The Apostle Peter uh, actually is such an interesting guy, right? And uh, Peter was the one that got, that Jesus said, hey, you are the rock. And on this rock, I will do what? Do you remember? Build my church. You're, you're going to be the guy that I'm going to build my church upon, Peter, right? And so Peter actually wrote very powerfully and very eloquently about what this whole thing is that we're doing. And so in First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 5 and 9, Peter writes this. Now, just, just try to let this sink into your heart for a second. Peter said, you, he's speaking to you and me, you also, like living stones, 
are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through, through Jesus Christ. Then he goes on to say, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. This is amazing stuff. And, and so every time that you step into whatever it is that you're made for, every time it is that you step into your calling here at Thrive, or you step into your calling out into the world, you are offering spiritual praises that declare the glory and the majesty and the character and the love of God, no matter what it is, because you are gifted by him. And so whether it's like the Searles leading a small group or it's Laura doing hospitality or Terry doing decorating or, you know, uh, Jim doing tech or whatever it is, every one of those glorifies God and it speaks to his heart and his character and his majesty in this place becomes like heaven on earth. It becomes the kingdom of God. Every time you operate in your place of ministry, you are being built up and you are building up this place to be a spiritual house. And we become a stone in this greater house of the Lord, the the, the whole church. And so it's important for us to know what we are made for. And so I know that a lot of you guys have been thinking about this and I actually have a little bit of fear about saying this. I know like we have never been a church where um, you guys just sit back and watch the pastors work really hard. That's not us. It's never been who we are. We have always been a church where everybody pitches in. It's one of the things that I'm most proud of. But I want to say that not all of you are operating in your calling. Not all of you are operating in your spiritual gifts. And I think that we need you to discover what your gifts are, and you need to start to step into that. And so I want to encourage you to start taking your gifts out for a test drive. Like if you don't know what it is that you're made for, first of all, start reading about the spiritual gifts in the Bible, right? There's lists of gifts in the book of Corinthians and Ephesians, uh, in Romans. And so start checking those out and then just start to ask yourself, God, you know, or ask God, what is it that I'm made for? What do I love to do? Because I feel like there's this interse- intersection of ability and passion. Things that you love to do and things that you're good at are often your spiritual gift. And so for me, I have always, from the beginning, I've been a guy who loves to teach and I love to encourage people. And so I have said yes to every opportunity that I've ever been given to do those things. And for a long time, I did them very badly, but people kept giving me opportunity and I kept on getting feedback and I grew in it. And I want to encourage you to just try to discern what is the gift that God has deposited into your life. And I appreciate, like, I don't want any ministry heads to come yell at me because you quit your job at Thrive so you could do something else. I want you to add it. Don't, don't make a choice. No, <laughs> it's probably not good. But, but no, I want us to begin to like operate in our spiritual gifts um, and at the same time, as I was, as I was praying um, for us uh, this week, I was just kind of listening to the Lord, and I had this picture uh, in my head and in my heart, and it was really, really clear. And I feel like some of you guys, this is, I'm just all over the place this morning, I apologize, but I, I saw this picture of us, of some of you, and you were like LeBron James. Like, I saw Le- LeBron James... And, um, and he was gassed. He was tired. It was like the end of the third quarter. And I felt like the Lord was saying that there are a few of us in here that God is wanting to put on the bench, actually. 
uh, he, he said that your legs are tired and you're out of breath and he wants you to, to hit the bench so that you can get some Gatorade for the next month or so because in the fall, things are going to ramp up again and you're going to be needed again. But there might be a few of you in this room, I hope it's not all of you, <laughs> that uh, God is calling to take a break. And so I just want to be faithful to say that. But let me close with this, you guys. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And I would say, don't think of yourself more lowly than you ought at the same time. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For each of us has one body. This is the comparison with many members, hands and feet and eyes and toes and all of that stuff. For each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function. And so, in Christ, we, though we are many, I don't know how many are in this room, but however many of us are, though we are many, each member belongs to all the others. Would you guys say that with me? Each member belongs to all the others. That's powerful. That's important, right? So though we are many and we form one body, each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, that is speaking God's words that he speaks to us. I just prophesied for a second there or gave a prophetic word. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If your gift is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then show mercy cheerfully. And Paul's message is simply this. Operate in your spiritual gifts. Know what your gift is and use it to build up the kingdom. We, this church, need your gifts. Your neighborhood needs your gifts. Your workplace needs your gifts in operation. It's good for us all to serve, but it's 10 times better for us to operate in the stuff that God has supernaturally deposited into us. And so my point is twofold, and I probably didn't do an amazing job on either one. But first of all, part A is this. I want to encourage you, challenge you to be blessed, to step back from your life and ask God, God, what is essential for me in this season? Because we're kind of on the back half now of summertime and and a new season will be coming in the fall. And this is just a good time to just go back to the drawing board and ask God, what are you doing? What's important to you for me right now? So take some time to do that. And secondly, as you're pondering and as you're processing, maybe this is a good time to just kind of explore, God, what am I made for? What am I called to? What, what passion have you deposited into my life? And what are those gifts and skills that you want to give me? And if, you're, if you want to pray, if you are feeling called to be a prayer person, then come and pray for the church before church on Sunday mornings. Grab Molly or grab Jeff and say, hey, I want to pray for people up front after church. If, you're, if your passion, if you feel like you just have a servant's heart, you just want to serve, then grab, uh, you know, grab Carly and say, hey, just plug me in somewhere. Grab Laura and say, plug me in. If you want to, if you want to know how to do, um, you know, like spiritual warfare, then talk to Wendy and ask her how you can get plugged into something like that. But take a step of growth, take a step of exploration towards your spiritual gift. And I want to see you guys get those things uh, in operation here. And I, I have just a vision for us. And it's this, I know that what I'm sharing with you about going to God and asking him what's essential for you in this season, that's a gift to you. 
I, I believe it in my bones that I am giving you a gift by challenging you to do that. And when you get clarity around that, you will be blessed. No question about it. And secondly, if any of you would be so bold as to, to just seek God for the gifts that he has deposited into you, I know for a fact that, yes, you'll be blessed, but I'll be blessed. This church would be blessed. The people around you will be blessed, and your community will too. And that's when things are going to really get exciting. It makes sense? Amen?